Thanks for joining us for today's edition of Lessons for Living. His word so fresh in our hearts abound. His word made flesh in the here and now. A new life is beginning. Lord, let us hear your lessons for living. Lord, let us hear your lessons for living. Rejoice in the wife of your youth. So God knew that these wonderful sex drives were powerful and he gave us just clear guidelines. And I want to say to you this morning, we can discipline our sexual desires to live within the parameters that God gave us. The parameters for sexual release are always and only reserved for the marriage bed. Men, God created women for your enjoyment, but not without guidelines. Today, Pastor Mark speaks on the Lord's parameters for sexual intimacy. This is only to be experienced between a husband and wife. God does not want to keep good things from you. He just wants to protect you. Do you find joy in your spouse today? Your enjoyment should run much deeper than mere physical attraction. While God did create the sex drive in man, he wanted it to be a fruit of the Christ-centered friendship you already have with your wife. Remember, there's quite a few ways to receive a copy of Pastor Mark's teaching. We'll be sharing all that information with you at the close of this broadcast. Now, here's Pastor Mark in the Gospel of Matthew as he continues his message entitled, God Cares for Your Marriage. There needs to be the spiritual commitment to God and then the relational and the sex. You see, the world says this to us. Take care of yourself sexually. You don't need a commitment. No, God says you make a commitment to life, then you can enjoy sexuality. But the world's got it backwards. There's no commitment needed. Just go out on one night dates, whatever stands, who cares, whatever. The friends with benefits stuff. It's amazing what the world has come up with. Now, let me go through the three kinds very quickly for you. First is spiritual intimacy. I'm not going to spend a long time with this because we already talked about that commitment, as I said to you. But here's the first thing I want you to write down. God expects couples to pray together. If you're dating and you're in this process of headed toward marriage, it would be a wonderful thing for you to learn to pray together. I had someone stop me recently, and he said this. I'm getting ready to get married to a certain individual, and she's not a Christian. Is there a problem coming? Well, I don't need to go any farther. And the individual was very kind. He said, and I said to him, you know, the God already speaks to this. God said, you can't be unequally yoked. A Christian cannot marry a non-Christian. We won't marry people like that. It's, it's not going to work. Can two walk together unless they agree? So, see, that couple, as they're dating, could not pray together. Because one has no relationship with God at all. So if you're in those kind of things, don't say, well, I'm going to be the exception. You will not be the exception. You, marriage, will not last. In fact, I'll tell you what will happen. 
you will fall away from God. I've been doing this many years. So Satan says it doesn't really matter. You don't have to be on the same page spiritually. You do have to be on the same page spiritually. Second, if I'm going to pray together and I'm already married, what am I going to pray about? Well, there's lots of things to pray about. Notice 1 Peter 3, 7 says, treat her as you should so your prayers will not be hindered. Here's what I discover. Uh, Linda and I need to pray together because we have spiritual warfare in our home. Uh, we need to pray for our children. We have decisions that we have to make. We're trying to shepherd this body with all the other servants here of thousands and thousands of people now, Vieira. We want to hear from God. We want to do things God's way. And we're selfish people. We need to pray together. And what I discover is we become so busy. I'm doing my thing. She's doing her thing. I'm studying for all the teachings and whatever. She teaches a Bible study off-site during the week, and then she teaches one year on Thursday night. She's doing her thing. I'm doing my thing. And sometimes you go by a week, whoop, we never prayed together. Well, that's not good. So let me challenge you this morning as a Christian couple. Pray together this week a few times. Pray out loud. Talk. Pray out loud. Come together. Let God minister to you. By the way, Linda and I do pretty well. We've been married, like I said, 40 years. And basically, we have a very good marriage. But we have trouble sometimes. You don't have trouble, do you? How many have trouble in your marriage? Let me see your hand. That's good. The rest of you? What are you? Single? I guess. Okay. So we have trouble. Do you know when Linda and I have most trouble in our marriage? When I teach on marriage. In the last three weeks... We've had two periods where we had to end up praying together to solve the issue. You say, well, that can't be. You're you're a spiritual leader. No, the enemy hates when I talk about marriage because we're stealing families from the enemy. God's restoring people. He's getting our picture right. The foundation in Brevard County is getting healthy. He hates it. So he comes after us. It's another reason I wanted you to see her on the stage today. See, if we hadn't solved it, could you tell when she comes up? <laughs> she wouldn't have held my hand. Me to go to kiss her? Mm-hmm. <laughs> so we have to fight together. Second thing I want you to do is this. On your date night this week, if you're married, you go out and you say, let's pray together. But also discuss what you hear here today. Ask in your marriage those three things of love. Commitment, relational, and sexual, how we doing? Ask your spouse. Talk about it. You see, often we, we, we don't talk about amazing things that are happening to us spiritually. The intimate part of us with our relationship. Do you know what I've discovered? Sometimes a man is more open talking about spiritual things to another man, a friend of his, or a woman with a friend of hers, than they are with their own spouse. That should not be. So let me challenge you. You take this as a homework assignment this week and talk about it. Now, let's talk about relational intimacy. Verbal. Not only is there this spiritual, this commitment, but we have a, a friendship. Notice Ecclesiastes 9, 9 says this. Enjoy life with your wife whom you love. One of the things that I think is beautiful is God expects both spouses to be best of friends. In fact, we should enjoy being with our spouse more than anyone else. When I travel, I would rather travel with my wife than anyone else. 
And I mean, I go to ball games or play golf or whatever with guys and do different things like that. And she goes out and does her arts and crafts and she's a painter and does all those things. But by and large, we do things together. Like, i.e., we don't take separate vacations. We go together. If you look in your marriage and you discover that, well, you're not really friends like you used to be, then you need to go back and work on that. Notice what Ecclesiastes says. Enjoy, that's right. Now, when you say enjoy, how do you say enjoy? Enjoy. Enjoy your wife. No, enjoy your wife. No, and so here's what I wrote. We need to listen more. We need to talk often. This is the relational, this is the verbal. We need to share real feelings. Very hard for guys. Guys don't like to think, I don't have... I'm macho. I don't have feelings. You let something happen to your little girl. I'll see some feelings. You have feelings. Wives, hear something in your date night this week. You want to turn to them and say, how do you feel about that? Now get ready. Just get ready. How do you feel about that? And when you have to pick them up the floor and then sit them down, ask them again. And guys, share how you feel. And then have fun together. You know, we've missed that part of relational. We don't have fun together much anymore. Plan for times of simple fun. Kick back. Doesn't have to be expensive. Normally when I'm gone from church, I'm ministering like I say, India, Singapore, wherever. I'm all over the world doing teachings and whatever. But at least twice a year, we just absolutely find a way to get away for a week or two weeks I have to get away from my own mental health, but we get away and enjoy each other. We just go and do whatever. We're planning another one of those kind of deals in a couple months. We're just going to get away, and we're going to just have fun together. Now, we have fun together during the week quite often, and we have a date night. We work at that really hard, and I I want to encourage you just to have fun together. Recently, I read about really the number one marriage counselor in the United States. Hard to define what that really is, but someone came to him, and he said this. When a couple walks into you, What is the number one thing that are coming in for marriage counseling? What is the number one thing you would say to them in marriage counseling? I'm thinking, man, all the things I would say. Here's what he said. You see it on the overhead. He said, be kind to one another. See, that's verbal communication. This marriage counselor said, if I can get the couple that are sitting before me to understand that simplicity, then the counseling will go good. Well, that's not a counselor's idea. That's God's idea. Look at Ephesians 4.32. Be kind to each other, tenderhearted, forgiving one another, just as God, through Christ, has forgiven you. Now, when you think of being kind to one another, what if last week we were kind to one another? Would it have made any difference in your marriage? Say yes. Yes, it would have. Instead of me lashing back, let me read you these three things. Kindness chooses to speak life instead of death. Kindness chooses to find a way to forgive instead of finding a way to blame. And kindness expresses affirmation instead of condemnation. Kind words. Practice it this week. And then we come to... We don't only have spiritual intimacy and relational or friendship intimacy. 
but we have sexual intimacy. This eros, this passion that God put in a man and a woman that drives them together. God designed that. He put it there. So I need a, a godly view of sex. You see, when we make love, a husband and a wife make love, it's a celebration of the oneness that God put within us. Now, there's a word we use that has a broad meaning, but we only think of it one way today. The word is intercourse. Well, the word intercourse simply means to exchange or, or uh, communing between persons. Very tough and just, it's a picture of communication, ideas. So what happens in my life and your life is that God designed us that my spiritual communication with him and my spouse, my friendship with God, God's a friend with me and, and I'm with him as well as he's my master and my spouse in this sexual part that God reserved only for actually a man and a woman. Those three have to be together. In fact, what I think is amazing is, is God designed Christians to be the most fulfilled people on all the earth in every area, including sexuality. See, sexuality is a gift from God. God to us. And if there's any people who should be fulfilled, it's Christians in every single aspect. In Proverbs chapter 5, Proverbs chapter 5, he designed this incredible drive within us, but then he gives us the guidelines. Those of you that are single, those of you that are teenagers, those of you that are fifth and sixth grade, You have a powerful design in you. It is sexual. It is designed to make wonderful pleasure, but they're guidelines. Look what he said, Proverbs 5, 15. Drink water from your own well. Share your love only with your wife. Now, let me stop. Is that God's sex education or Satan's? It's God's. There's no exception. There's no exception. But what does the world say? You watch your program, any television program, and you'll see basically your token gay relationship. You'll also see someone sleeping with someone, one night stands, whatever. And it's so common, it just passes over our head. But notice what God says, drink water from your own well. In other words, have sexual relationships only from your own spouse. Share your love only with your wife. Why spill the water of your springs into the streets having sex with just anyone? Verse 17, you should reserve it for yourselves. Never share it with strangers. Verse 18, another challenge to us. Let your wife be a fountain of blessing for you. What does that mean? It means that the sexual union is going to bring tremendous release to both of you. Let your wife be a fountain of blessing for you. Rejoice in the wife of your youth. So God knew that these wonderful sex drives were powerful and he gave us Just clear guidelines. And I want to say to you this morning, we can discipline our sexual desires to live within the parameters that God gave us. The parameters for sexual release are always and only reserved for the marriage bed. There's no other alternative. That's what God says. Now, How many of you kind of remember your honeymoon? Anybody out there remember your honeymoon? For me, it's a little stretch, but I can remember, okay? I want to read you a diary from a a young bride. I'm only going to give you four days. 
But this is what she wrote in her diary, and I think you'll enjoy it a lot. I know Vera will enjoy it. Dear diary, this is Monday. Now, today we're home from our honeymoon and settle into our new home. It's fun to cook for Bob. Today I made angel food cake. The recipe said beat 12 eggs separately. The neighbors were nice enough to loan me some extra bowls. You remember those innocent days, don't you? Tuesday, Bob wanted fruit salad for supper. The recipe said, serve without dressing. I'm not done yet, just wait. So I didn't dress. What a surprise when Bob brought a friend home for supper. (laughs) Okay, Wednesday. A good day for rice. Recipe said, wash thoroughly before steaming the rice. (laughs) Seemed kind of silly to me, but I did take a bath, but it didn't seem to improve the rice any. (laughs) And here's Thursday. Listen carefully. It's going to be quick. This morning, Bob asked if I would fix fruit salad again tonight. (laughs) Turn with me to 1 Corinthians chapter 7. 1 Corinthians chapter 7. I want you to highlight this in your Bible, your King James, NIV, New American Standard, whatever you have, New King James. I'm going to be a little serious for a moment. And the reason I'm going to be serious is because this is a problem. This is a problem in the church. This is not only a problem in the church, it's a problem all over the world. I can give you articles out of my files from secular counselors who say this, a husband and wife making love has become so infrequent in most homes because we're so busy, husband works, wife works, kids have three nights at the Little League and this and that and the other. We do this and that and the other. We're building a home. We're doing, we're just, just too tired to make love. And it's a common problem. Well, it's no different in the church. I, I wish I didn't have to say to you that Christians don't have a problem. But very often in counseling, sitting before me, a wonderful couple, we talk about different things, and this really hasn't changed. It's just getting worse. I I soon discover that very little sexual intimacy is happening in their marriage. In fact, sometimes I'll probe deeper, and I'll say, well, obviously you need spiritual, and you need relational, you need to be friends, but you do need sexual. And I'll probe a little further, and I'll hear something like this. Well, we make love two, three times a year. Well, I always turn to this passage because there's a great problem. This is not Mark Balmer's passage. This is not Calvary Chapel's passage. This is God's passage. Notice what 1 Corinthians 7 says. The husband should fulfill his wife's sexual needs. Now, let's stop there. You don't have to be a scientist to understand this, a rocket scientist. What does that statement say so far? It says this, that a wife has what? Tell me. Sexual needs. Well, Pastor Mark, that isn't womanly. What? Who put the sexual needs in her? God. It's very godly. It's very good. Will they be different than a man's? Absolutely. But she does have sexual needs. So who's to fulfill those? The husband. Not a romance novel. 
the husband. Let's go on. And the wife should fulfill her husband's needs. Need I say that a man has sexual needs. And the wife, not pornography, not the website, not a strip bar, but the wife is to fulfill those sexual needs. This is God's sex ed. It goes on. The wife gives authority over her body to her husband, and the husband gives authority over his body to his wife. In other words, Linda and I, when we got married, my body is not mine, her body is not hers. We have to work this out together. We are to make love on some type of a routine basis. I'm not going to say to you today, you know, put yourself in a formula, let's figure it out, you've got 2.3 times per week and whatever. That's none of my business. But if you say to me, we make love twice a year, something's wrong. And because of that, you watch the end of this scripture, you'll see what's wrong. Scripture goes on and says this. By the way, let me just stop you. I'm not talking about abuse. I'm not talking about sexual abuse. I'm not talking about a husband and wife want to do different things and the husband's trying to force the, the wife. In. That's ridiculous. Remember, kind words, love. Scripture goes on and says this. Do not deprive each other of sexual relations. Unless you both agree to refrain from sexual intimacy for a limited time so that you can give yourselves more completely to prayer. So there may be a time in, in your life, my life, Lynn and I have to pray over our kids or grandkids or we have a big decision to do in the church or something. And we say, you know what? I, I just need to, I can't eat food for a couple of days. And honey, we're just not going to make love for a couple of days because we have to get our minds totally in God. That's a good thing. But notice to make that decision, what have I had to have? I had had the other two kinds of sexual, I had to have spiritual intimacy, I had to hear God, and I had to have relational intimacy, because my wife and I have to agree. Did you get it? But notice, only for a short time, notice, afterwards you should come back together, so Satan, why should we come back together and routinely make love again? So that Satan will not be able to take, let me paraphrase it, So Satan will not be able to take the God-given sex drive and find a release for it that is not godly. Is that plain enough? That's why. We don't understand this. And the church, if you're a Christian this morning, let me say something very kindly to you, but very sternly to you. If you don't obey this passage, could be some medical things, I understand that. I'm not talking about the exceptions. I'm not talking about abuse. I'm not talking about whatever. Husband and wife, you have to work it out together. We've been married 40 years. We still have to work it out together. It's okay. But we do it in love. Sexual things change with the menopause and guys getting older and all the rest. The stuff changes. But there still needs to be intimacy in all three areas. If you and I are not obeying these verses, I personally believe... It's a sin like any other sin. This is a command from God. This is not a suggestion. Talk, truth, and tunes. What do these three words have to do with marital intimacy? Today, Pastor Mark spoke on this in reference to God's expectations for a Christ-centered marriage. Commitment, friendship, and passion should be staples of every marriage. You cannot experience one without the others. If you're only searching for sexual intimacy in your marriage, remember that God's design covers far more than that. Maybe you're listening right now and God has placed a certain person on your heart that needs to hear this message. 
Or maybe you'd like to share it with all of your friends. There's a simple way to share this message. Log on to Lessons for Living Radio and click on the radio program option in the main menu. There, you'll find the Lessons for Living media player. In the Messages tab, simply click on today's date. Then you can share today's message directly on your Facebook page, Twitter feed, or send a link via email. You can even embed today's message directly. Again, to share today's message with friends and family members, log on to LessonsForLivingRadio.com. Click on the radio program button, then simply click on today's date. You'll find all the options to share. Did you know you're actually being obedient to the Lord by having children? In the next edition of Lessons for Living, Pastor Mark will challenge listeners to embrace God's blessing of children. They are a gift from above. He has high expectations for parents. Your marital intimacy as husband and wife will lay the groundwork for their understanding. The Lord expects you to be the example of godly sexual intimacy for your children. Well, that's all the time we have for today's broadcast. From all of the production team here at Lessons for Living, we want to say thank you for tuning in and may God bless you. And together, let's do life right. See